Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Suzanne Harris, and on my podcast, we talk to the authors about themselves. We talk about their books, and we also talk about their ideas. Every book has at least two stories, and you'll also hear backstories about each one of the books. Now, I have to tell you that the gentleman who is joining me today is named Graham Legg. He is delightful. He and I have been talking, and I have enjoyed it so much. You're about to meet him. We're going to talk about his book titled The Fleur de Lis, Khaki Shorts, and Me, A Logbook of My Scouting Adventures. Graham, what a pleasure. I can't wait for our listeners to meet you. Thank you so much for joining me. And it's a hearty welcoming introduction. Thank you, Suzanne. Oh, my pleasure. I, I just can't wait to talk about this. I mean, people write books for all kinds of reasons. One of the things that, that I've noticed is that people who have really negative experiences will often want to share those because they feel that there's a necessity to get that information out because there's someone else in the world who might benefit from their experience. Your book is the exact opposite of that. Your book is a book that is a labor of love. It truly is an inspirational memoir. What brought you to the place where you wanted to share your information and this wonderful story of you and scouts with the world? Suzanne, the origins really go back to my early working days and I was sent to a small uh, country town. Somebody there gave me a small book on the history of five local communities. I hadn't heard of some of them. I hadn't been to any of them. But I read the pages of that book and I turned them avidly and I did enjoy what I was reading. I thought, that's interesting. And then, as I did in those times and still do, I said, why doesn't somebody do that for Emerald, which is my hometown? And then I continued my line of thinking that why shouldn't I do that for Emerald? So it was at that time I began interviewing older residents in my home township and I took notes as they spoke to me and one lady showed me a photo of a child's grave on the local gold diggings here. I wrote down the wording on that gravestone. Oh, gravestone. It was a slab of timber with the words chiselled into it. I would have loved to have gained a copy of that photo, but I was too green, too young, too inexperienced to ask for it. And in those days, there wasn't always a guarantee that sending the photo away that it would come back. Sometimes they got lost. And nor did she think to offer me to take the photo and get a copy done. And I'm not critical. But then the lady died and her next of kin came along, cleaned out the house oh. and they burnt the photo. Burned oh, no. a lot of photos and because they probably didn't even know who the people were in the photos or their significance. So I thought I'd learned something there that Local information, local history is worth 
recording, it is important. So I did start collecting newspaper clippings about Emerald, uh, programs, uh, photos, uh, programs, any memorabilia. And then I started writing about them uh, under the heading of churches, education, medical, recreation, uh, and so on. So I had that background of quite a keen interest. And then last year, the local scouts uh, were thinking about the fact that they'd be 75 years old this year. And local people, residents who'd been scouts were asked to record their experiences. So I went through my memorabilia to do that and I've had some diary sort of entries of my various experiences. And when I put them all down, I thought, well, this is quite interesting. <laughs> it, it has a sequence, a beginning and an end. <laughs> I shared that information with a few others and they said, yes, it has potential. So that was the beginning of it. I think local history is important. I think that people can... Uh, appreciate where they live and the work of others and perhaps be inspired to say, well, I've benefited from the work of others. Uh, I should make my own contribution and keep the process going. So there's a broad background as to how this book came about. And I'm actually quite pleased with the outcome. I think it, it is of interesting and interesting read and experiences shared. So the logbook uh, aspect enabled bits and pieces uh, to be included, and I think they actually enhance the, the text by illustrating just uh, what those things, scenes, uh, experiences look like. Oh, I couldn't agree so, more. Now, I'm curious about the title, <laughs> The Fleur-de-Lis khaki shorts yes. and me <laughs> what the fleur de lee uh, is french in origin the flower of the lily but the, uh, the fleur de lee as an emblem is used worldwide to represent scouting it's oh i didn't know that used, yes it's all in america you have the buffalo i think and uh, but the, the emblem, thirdly, is has that recognition uh, worldwide, internationally. So, and the the thirdly was often used to enhance the I'll say the logo on old-fashioned maps, where the direction of north was the major one. It was prominent, and it was often quite highly decorated, uh, saying that north, if you go know, know where north is, you know where the other uh, directions are. So we've got quite a significant uh, association there with the Fleur de Lis, the Fleur de Lis. The scouting uh, aspect of it says that the three uh, points on the Fleur de Lis are a reminder of the three parts of the scout promise to do my duty to God and the Queen, to help other people at all times, and to obey the Scout Law. And there are 
two stars, each with five points, in the outer two points on the fleur de lis to represent the ten scout laws that uh, are involved in the scouting process. So there's a rich association there in uh, in the choice of the fleur de lis as part of the title. The kaku shorts and we have a slightly different pronunciation. There. We've discussed this. <laughs> a slightly different connotation here. But the khaki shorts was the uh, colour of the scout leader's uniform, uh, wearing a khaki coloured shirt, khaki coloured shorts, khaki coloured uh, socks. And uh, the scout uniform of the youth members uh, were of the same uh, colouring. So the khaki shorts suggest uh, a uniform, uh, an outdoor active uh, attire, and then, well, the me bit uh, <laughs> makes it personal. So there you go. It wasn't such a simple question to answer after all. I, I was so curious, and of course, my brain immediately went to France when I saw the fleur de lis. I had no idea about any of the history that you just mentioned. That's absolutely yeah. fascinating. Yeah. You and know, interesting. Uh, I have some a little further association there, Suzanne. In, in 1951, I uh, took part in a schoolboy uh, trip from Australia to England. Uh, there was a four-week journey on a, on a steamship each way. There were seven-week uh, travelling in England and Scotland, and uh, I represented the local shire of Berwick, and I was a 15-year-old schoolboy there, and there was a bit of a competition to see who was going to win. So uh, on the trip, I visited England's Gilwell Park, because we have a Gilwell Park at Gembrook, just uh, 10 miles away from where I live here. So in visiting Gilwell Park there, uh, I saw a lot of Baden Powell's uh, memorabilia and historic uh, buildings and uh, settings like campfire. And in due course, uh, I became a scout leader back here in Emerald. And Baden Powell, the founder of scouting, his wife, Lady Baden Powell, came through Emerald one Friday night after school. Now, we knew that she was coming through. So we assembled cubs and scouts and guides and brownies on the side of the road and hoping that the good lady, when she was passing, might see this assembled group of young people and perhaps have her car slow down and she would wave and we'd wave vigorously and enthusiastically to her. <laughs> she did better than that. She saw the young people ahead, got the driver to stop the car. She stepped out of the car and came over to the assembled young people and leaders. She said uh, with her hands, sit down, and she spoke for about 15 minutes about what she'd been doing. And she was the world chief girl guide leader, stopping and speaking to we people assembled on the side of the road. And I thought, how lovely, how gracious yes. of her to do that. It was a very 
uplifting experience. So, hey, there's a connection between Emerald and the founder of Scouting himself by way of his wife. And then of more recent times, their or our grandson, Michael Baden-Powell, is living in, in Melbourne, in Victoria. I came to meet up with him through my scouting involvement, and uh, we met up quite a few times, and I had a couple of photos of his grandmother at that occasion in Emerald, and he was very interested, so I sent him copies, and so we had that uh, little bit of involvement, and I thought, now that's interesting that Emerald has had this association with the founder of Scouting, and the grandson of the founder, and the founder was Lord uh, Robert Baden Powell, and the title has been inherited, and now Michael himself is the is known as uh, Lord Michael Baden Powell, and that was a very personal and encouraging association with the founder and the origins of Scouting. You know what struck me. It struck me that we never under, we never know when an event in our lives will be life changing. Your <laughs> joining the Scouts as a young boy changed your life. Is that a fair thing to say? <laughs> yes, yes. I on that trip to England, uh, we. We, about 90 of us from each of the municipalities in Victoria, or most of them, uh, formed a guard of honour inside the railing fence at Buckingham Palace. And we uh, stood there until the very highly polished black car came <laughs> exiting and we stood most erect and respectfully. The car contained the... Uh, Queen Mother of the day, the two princesses, Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret, as they were then. Wow. And uh, there we were, uh, I'd like to think respectfully, acknowledging uh, who they were by our presence and by the fact that we were standing tall and erect. And uh, she, the Queen, no, King George died shortly after that and the Princess Elizabeth became Queen Elizabeth, and I was so impressed with her, and I was impressed with scouting and the activities itself that I put some effort into becoming and qualifying as a Queen Scout myself. And that was rather rather special because of that slightly personal um, contact and that experience in, in, in England, in Buckingham Palace, in the, in the grounds of. So, yes, these things can contribute in a very significant and enriching way, can't they? Yes, and something that you do, and it, you don't really, at the time, realize. And then all of a sudden... You, as you have lived your life, you turn around and you look over your shoulder and you realize that that event was a seminal, life-changing event for you. And at the time, 
It just seemed like the thing to do, and it was part of life. But your stories, I mean, you have so many stories. You share so much in the book. I have to ask about the picture, the photograph that's on the cover of the book. Tell me about that, how it was chosen. <laughs> well, that's the picture of Lady Olive Baden Powell. Thank you. And there she is in her girl guide uniform, and she's standing uh, among the seated young people and a few adults, some of whom are leaders uh, locally, and some of them are in the, in the girl guide organisation and higher positions, and uh, she's actually speaking with me. <laughs> uh, there I am in the presence of and speaking to, and I've saluted her and greeted her and welcomed her. And that was a lovely personal experience at that time. So the, the khaki shorts, although the photos clipped a little bit and you need to look very closely to see <laughs> uh, where the shorts end. <laughs> but trust me, I was wearing shorts on that occasion. So there's uh, a, another significant, to me, photo that actually says quite a lot of our association with uh, the founder of scouting, uh, local activity in young people in the local township, leaders who dedicate their time and undertake training to become part of an organisation that I think builds younger lives into people well-equipped to serve, look after themselves and to serve others, and with a a wholesome, healthy outlook towards life. I think scouting is a most valuable organisation because of these enriching experiences and outlooks that it brings. I agree with you. And I don't, I've not said this to you since we started talking, but I was also a Girl Scout here in, in the United States. And so I, too, have had nothing like your experiences but I know what you're talking about, the the camaraderie and the the premise and the, the tenets of the organization itself, I think, reinforce what we like to think is the best of us. And I think that it can bring out the best in a young person. And I think that scouting is still relevant today because I think all of those things are extremely important. I think when scouting first started in 1948 here in Emerald, uh, there had been a couple of earlier starts, but uh, they didn't continue. When it started in 1948, there was a scout jamboree being held. Oh, it was just a, uh, a few weeks after we'd all started. And we visited the jamboree and we walked around. We didn't have proper uniforms. They weren't complete. But we found that there were scouts there from, well, uh, from Pakistan, from Canada, Fiji, and Hong Kong, Latvia, wow. uh, Lithuania, New Zealand, and so on. And then we were all uh, a common brotherhood, as it were, friendly and welcoming. We walked around 
looking at the campsites and talking uh, with one another, uh, taking photos, asking questions about what they were doing, what scouting was like, where they came from. And this was inspirational stuff to find that the organisation has this this international breadth. It's uh, within the state, within the nation, international as well. Uh, it's uplifting. And it's real. That's the other thing that's so interesting. Graham, we could we could talk. You have a thousand million stories. You and I were talking probably as long as we're doing this interview. You're so interesting, and you've got so many things to say. And the book is just filled with photographs and anecdotes and stories. And do you have a favorite part of the book that you would like to share with a listener? I'll choose this one, Suzanne. It connected with that uh, schoolboy trip to England, that part of that uh, occasion involved going to have afternoon tea in a place called St James's Palace in London, the home of the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester. That was very lovely and special and very grand. On the way through St James's Palace, the Duke paused in one room and he said, now you Victorian schoolboys will be especially interested in this painting. It was an enormous painting. It was, oh, it's over three metres in in height, no, in length, no, in height, <laughs> and about five metres in, uh, in width. And it was an original painting of the opening of Federal Parliament in Australia. Wow. It was done in 1901. The opening was done in 1901. It took the artist a few years to finish because the painting included the Duke of Gloucester opening the Parliament in his formal way, and that was his grandfather. So oh. it was a nice connection <laughs> between the man present and the, the guest in the painting. And the people sitting... Uh, present in the audience, as it were, for the occasion, the artist went around and did portraits of those people in person after the event. So he sketched them in and had the positions right, uh, but then went around and uh, paid very close attention to the paintings of the, the portraits themselves. And so... Uh, that was rather special because the Royal Exhibition Building is in Melbourne and that was in 1951 that we were there viewing that painting which had been of an event that happened 50 years earlier, 1901, 1951. 50 years later, 2001 now, it's time for the centenary of that occasion. And so there was uh, a special occasion held in the same building, in the same portion of the building. And I was mayor of the Cardinia Shire at the time. Mayors were invited. And there I was, sitting in the very same place as the guests were in that painting. And I thought that was really very, very special, that linking uh, the event with the important Australian historical event uh, linked with uh, a local artist who lived in Emerald 
I lived in Callista, just a few miles away from Emerald. A connection uh, with scouting, in a sense, because uh, um, various dignitaries uh, are involved in scouting as well. And so that sort of uh, brought it together, and that painting now is on permanent loan in the Canberra uh, House of Parliament. So it's a good story. It's a great story. Graham, you are a wonderful storyteller, and you have had some of the most amazing opportunities. It's just astonishing to me. I'm sitting here. I wish you could see my face. I mean, I just, uh, I'm sitting here listening to all the stories and then everything that we talked about before we even started to record the interview. And my teacher brain, you know that I'm a former teacher, and so are you, and so we started talking about that as well. My teacher brain is going off as you're telling all of these wonderful stories. You know, some of our listeners may be thinking to themselves, oh, well, this is an Australian book. This really wouldn't be of use to us here in the United States. Au contraire, my dear listener. I think taking Graham's book and using it as a way to study not only Australia, but to talk about scouting, to talk about local history, and to give students an assignment to record some local historical event from their perspective in pictures and words. I mean, my brain is just exploding, Graham, with all of these ideas that you've made me think of. You shared so much. This is just such a wonderful book, and I know it's a big book. Let's tell our listeners where they can find it. Now, it is on Amazon, and if you've never bought anything from Amazon, it's very, very easy. Just put Amazon, www.amazon.com into your browser and click on it, and the website will come up. Now, it's a little imposing the first time that you go there, but you're looking for a long, slender, gray box. In that box, here's the title of Graham's book, and this is what you'll put in that box. The Fleur, F-L-E-U-R, dash, day, D-E, dash, lease, L-I-S, comma, the Fleur de Lise, comma, khaki, K-H-A-K-I, however you pronounce it, shorts, comma, and me, colon, a logbook of my scouting adventures, the Fleur de Lis, khaki shorts, and me, a logbook of my scouting adventures by Graham. Now, you think you know how to spell it, but you don't. Listen, G R A E. M-E, the letter C, period, leg, L-E-G-G. There's also a drop-down menu for Amazon on the left-hand side. You want to choose from that drop-down menu, books. Type in the title, type in Graham's name, click on it. The book will come right up. You'll see this lovely picture of him on the cover in the He just described the situation for you, and you'll be able to do two things. There's one place that says 
there's a sample to read. You can click on that and the book will electronically open and you can read an excerpt from the book. Or, interestingly enough, Graham chose to do an audio example. It says audio. Click on that and you will hear a voice reading Graham's words. Now, Graham, I know that everyone doesn't want to buy their books from Amazon. And you've got a couple of other places that you can suggest that they might buy those books if they don't want to buy from Amazon. Where else could they find it? Balboa Press uh, would be another contact uh, site. I'll give it to you in detail in a moment, just with the warning that it is lengthy. And I also have my own email address, and I'll give that to you as well. If people wanted to contact me, we could uh, arrange for sale arrangements to uh, flow from that. The Balboa Press address is https colon forward slash forward slash Press. B-A-L-B-O-I-P-R-E-S-S dot followed by com forward slash E-N hyphen A-U forward slash bookstore B-O-O-K S-T-O-R-E forward slash book details I spell B-O-O-K D-E-T-A-I-L-S forward slash the numbers 837027 hyphen T-H-E F-L-E-U-R hyphen D-E hyphen L-I-S hyphen K-H-A-K-I hyphen S-H-O-R-T-S hyphen A-N-D hyphen Now, for contact with me direct, and I have the privilege or the advantage of having author discounts, so my contact detail is my given name, middle initial, and my surname. I spell it G-R-A-E-N-E-C-L-E-G-G-E at gmail, that's the letter G-M-A-I-L, dot com. How's that, Suzanne? That's a lot. You weren't kidding when you said it lengthy. <laughs> but if, if they... go direct to the product. <laughs> if, they, if they want to buy the book from you, Graham, and they contact you directly, will you autograph the copy of the book for them? 
Oh, yes. <laughs> By all means. See, that would be one reason so, for me to contact you directly is to get your autograph on your work. Now, you yes, know how I'd I... would f- be delighted. You, you know how I feel about authors and their work and how important I think it is for an author to have the last word about their work because writing a book is no small task. And it's... It's a very interesting task in itself, and I'm sure I can only imagine. I have a vision of you in my head writing this book and all the memories that must have flooded back as you as you wrote them down. I can just imagine what that must have been like. Our listeners, when they buy the book, won't sit down. This is not a romance novel. This is a book that you will sit down and you will read and you will savor Graham's words, and you will savor the stories because they're delightful and they're wonderful. And he tells this in the first person, and you will be right there with him because he's such a wonderful storyteller. You'll pick it up again, and you'll read another story. But eventually, you will come to the last page. When they read, when the reader reads the last page, and they close the book, Probably not for the last time, but we'll think that for for our purposes here. What, Graham, do you want that reader to take away from your book? What's your bottom line message for them? Reflection has drawn my focus to the outlook that prevailed in scouting, but then beyond. And so I put it all together and say, you know, on Sundays... I went to church and Sunday school and I learned about God and I learned about the Good Samaritan who helped other people. I went to school on Monday and we saluted the flag in those days and stood to attention and said, I love God and my country. I honour the flag. I will serve the king or queen and cheerfully obey my parents, teachers and the law. On a Friday night, I went to scouts and said, I promise on my honour that I'll do my best to do my duty to God and the Queen, to help other people at all times, and to obey the Scout law. And those uh, lessons, those outlooks, that reinforcement, I think was very positive and led me to conclude that in life we are helped by other people, we take advantage of what has gone on before us by way of buildings and constructions and works of art and outlooks on life and that we do well to contribute our part and not be selfish if we don't but contribute our part and keep the momentum and so this idea of looking outwards to the community helping others observing others and perhaps enriching uh, the locality and where we live and looking outwards and upwards to uh, God, to spiritual outlook, that this is very wholesome and very healthy and very practical and very enjoyable as well. So I think that outlook on life is worthwhile, Suzanne, and I, uh, I raise that up in answer to your question. Graham, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed our conversation today, and I can't tell you how much I think your book is just 
stupendous. It's just, it's just, I hope that our listeners will really hear what you've said. They hear those stories and recognize how valuable this book could be in all kinds of ways for families and scout troops to study the ideas in the book and to think about here in America how this is the same, only different in Australia. You and I have laughed about that as we talked. Just what a pleasure to meet you and to share ideas and to talk with you. Thank you so very much for being my guest today on Books on Air. I have enjoyed our time together immensely, Suzanne. I wish you well, uh, and I wish listeners well as well. Now remember, you can find Graham's book, The Fleur-de-Lis, Khaki Shorts, and Me a logbook of my scouting adventures on Amazon, and you can contact Graham directly, or you can go to Balboa Press. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. I'm Suzanne Harris. And I really hope you'll join me for our next Books on Air podcast because, remember, you really never know who's going to be here, who we're going to talk to, and what you're going to find out. Thank you so very much for listening.